Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. I'm sorry, to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter number 14, as you're standing. And that will be our text that we will be preaching from today. Matthew chapter number 14. When you arrive, you can say amen. And we're going to start reading in verse number 22 down through verse 33. Matthew chapter number 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, your word is life. And I pray this morning, God, as we are in a series entitled Distraction, that you would remove every distraction. Help us, Lord, to focus not only physically, but mentally first and foremost. Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be wide open to what the Spirit wants to say to the church on today. God, we are in desperate need of a word from you. And I pray, Lord, those who faithfully came this morning will receive, God, what they came looking for. Father, I thank you that you're using me. Father, I am privileged. I am blessed. Father, I am graced beyond my ability to understand. But, Lord, like the Apostle Paul, I say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And this grace was working in me. And therefore, Paul said he labored more than them all. Father, I labored this morning. I labored to put this word together. I labored to study. Now, Lord, it's up to you, Lord, to speak to your people today. God, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to say. 
and how lives will be impacted and changed in a significant way. We give you praise, we give you glory, and all God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, we are continuing our series, uh, Distracted. Uh, we began this series last week, and last week's message was entitled, uh, Sitting at His Feet. And the reason why I think that that message was so incredibly powerful, uh, because unless we do some things on purpose, when I say on purpose, what I mean is unless we uh, go out of our way to make sure that we prioritize Jesus, if we don't take some steps in order to do that, then we're going to find ourselves in a place where we are distracted. Now, when we talk about distraction in this message, we're talking about distraction as it relates to uh, being distracted from God's intended purpose for your life. How many you know that God has a purpose for your life? Amen? He has a divine uh, purpose for you. And, uh, and how many know that there is a devil that is out there that is fighting you? Satan will do everything he can do in order to distract you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. Um, our number one agenda as Christians is to fulfill the mission of Christ in the earth. That's why we're here. Satan's number one agenda is to stop us. And so how does he stop us? If, he, if you're truly saved, he can't do anything about your salvation. But what he can do is he can render you completely and totally ineffective. He can work in your life in such a way, and if you're not careful, you wouldn't even see it or know it until it's too late. He can work in your life in such a way you've lived your life, but you had very little impact. I ask myself this question all the time, and I think every Christian needs to ask himself this question. If I died today, if I left this earth today, would anybody remember anything about me? What would be said of me? What would be my legacy? Would people miss me? Would people say, wow, that, that was a significant blow? We tell you all the time in Jeremiah 29, it says that, that God has a plan for us. He said, I have a plan to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And we say that all the time because it is a reality. God has a plan. And, 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 and here's the thing where everybody must understand. And I, because we have a picture of what the devil looks like, right? You've seen the pictures. He got the red fork and he got the red suit on. I'm sorry, he got the pitchfork and the red suit. Y'all seen those images? Uh, the devil looks nothing like that, by the way. The devil is a spirit. And many people live their life not fully understanding, making decisions every day and not understanding the spiritual dynamic. So we're in a warfare. There are, there are demonic influences all around us, and what are they trying to do? To distract us and to keep us from becoming everything that God wants us to do. Satan is a master at distractions. How many of you have, let me give you an example of when I talk about distractions. How many of you have said, you begin your day, you say, well, today I'm going to do A, B, C, D. I'm going to do one, two, three. And only to find that you go home at night to lay your head on your pillow and realize you got none of it done. Amen. Is anybody in the house? 
that you've made some plans. You said, I'm going to get this done. And, and, and somehow along the way, you got completely distracted. Now, now, some of us, some of that is just the way of life. But, but as a Christian, you must understand that when you became a Christian, let me take my glasses off so I can see your face. That when you became a Christian, you must understand this principle, that you are a target. Now, for some of you, you're afraid. You're, oh, my God. You don't need to be afraid. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I know that living a life and fulfilling the mission that God has for me is my greatest ambition, my greatest aspiration, and I will live my life doing the best I can to fulfill that calling. But you are a target. Because now the enemy, you stepped on the front lines and you said, I want to make a difference. You said, I want to live for Jesus. You said that I want to change the world for Christ. And so there is an unseen battle. Many of you talked about crying, spending uh, quiet time with the Lord. How many of you have found yourself, you say, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take 15 minutes of uninterrupted devotion with the Lord. I'm going to pray. And as soon as you start to pray, the kids get sick, the telephone rings, somebody comes over, good things. And it happens all the time. Distractions. That's why I tell people all the time, the best way to spend time with the Lord is probably when everything is not moving. Early in the morning. The pastor, pastor, you don't understand, pastor. I'm not a morning person. I had a dime for every time somebody said that to me. I would be incredibly rich. But when you understand that the lives of people are at stake because God has an agenda for you every day, understand something that nothing happens by accident for us. There is no luck in Christianity. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I understand that. So there's no accidents. God is in control of my life. I know this. And how many know that every single day, God wants to speak to you? He wants to tell you about your day. He wants to give you a heads up on what's coming down the pike. God wants to speak to you. It is incumbent upon you and I that we make a radical decision to say that I'm going to give God time. Why? Because God loves me and he wants what's best for my life. Are you hearing me this morning? So Satan, Satan don't want to put a dent in your fender. No, 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 you got it all wrong, saints of God. Satan don't want to put a dent in your fender. He wants to have a major crash. He wants you to crash and burn. But Jesus, you remember Jesus, right? You know Jesus, everybody. Jesus, how do we know that Satan Tried to tempt Jesus big time. Well, you know what? Let me just turn. I wasn't going to turn there, but turn there to Matthew chapter 4. This is one of those times when I would just draw, I would just drive the people over to my left crazy because they didn't have this scripture ahead of time. But I know y'all brought your Bible, so you're ready. Amen. Matthew chapter number 4, verse 3. How, how many know 
Now listen what Satan says here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, how many know who the tempter is? The tempter is Satan. He said, now if you're the son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up into a holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. In case you didn't catch that, Satan was trying to get Jesus to commit suicide. Verse number seven, Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, how many know the devil is persistent? The devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, watch, all these things I will give you. Do you hear that? Satan says, look, I'll give you everything. Just stop what you're doing. Follow me. Stop, just, just, just stop this worship stuff. Stop this seeking God. Stop this going to church stuff. Stop this praying. Stop all that crazy stuff. Just stop all that. Won't you come and I'll give you life. I'll give you everything this world has to offer. How many know that you tried that, done that, it ain't no good. That's why you're sitting here today. Amen. You tried that, you know better, amen. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, verse 10, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now understand something about that verse I just read. You must understand that what Satan knew what Jesus' mission was. He came to seek and save that which was lost, and he wanted to do everything that he could to distract Jesus. How was he trying to distract Jesus? With the things of this world. How do you think he's trying to, to pull you away from God? How do you think he's trying to make you ineffective? He uses the things of this world. And that's why if you love the things of this world, you cannot serve God. You cannot love God. You're either going to love him. You can't serve God in money. Amen. You got to make a choice. Because the enemy is going to always throw the things of this world as bait to try to lure the Christian in. Now look at uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter number 5, and we're going to get to our foundational text here in a moment. But 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8, uh, for those who have your, this is a short verse, but this is probably one of the more powerful verses in all the Bible, particularly as it relates to uh, spiritual warfare and Satan. It says in, verse, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this, be sober. Everybody know what sober is, right? <laughs> be sober. In other words, be alert in spirit. Watch out. Be vigilant. Vigilant means watch out for danger. How many of you ride down the road, have you seen those warning signs? They tell you that a sharp curve is coming. There are signs that they tell you that you need to slow down in icy conditions. How many know that those are signs to tell you of, of potential danger coming down the pike? The Bible says, watch this. You can walk with God in such a way that God will reveal to you what's coming down the pike so that he can protect you. How many know the signs are there to protect you? Now watch it. He said, now, be sober, be vigilant. 
Because your adversary, now he names who the adversary is. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, he don't say, he makes it clear just in case that somebody tried to exegete uh, Satan out of this. Uh, he says, your adversary, who is your adversary? Who is your adversary based on that verse? The devil. Why the devil don't exist? Well, you already been whipped, if you believe that. If you don't believe that there's a demonic influence pulling the strings today around the world, you are blind. You are lost. I don't have time to turn there, but Ephesians chapter 6, 12, you read that verse, write it down, go back and study it. It, shows you, it tells you who we're wrestling against so that you can understand. But he said, now, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, watch this. How many know that the devil don't like you? He's your adversary. You know what an adversary is. Normally when there's an adversary, there's hostility. Satan doesn't like you. He don't want you to succeed because you bear the marks of Christ. So he's your adversary. He wants to stop you at every turn. Watch this. And what does he want to do? Let's, let's look at this point first. First of all, the Bible says he's a roaring lion. Y'all have been with me for a while. You know I love lions. You go to the zoo. My wife and I went to the zoo when we were on vacation. We stopped over and Man, and I just, I'll wait an hour to hear the lion roar. And a lot of times, they just kind of laying out there. I'm like, get up! But there's something about when the lion roars, the whole park will feel it. When a lion really roars with his vibrato, with his strength, and with his power, it shakes everything. Shakes everything, and it gets attention. I mean, know the lion know how to get your attention. You'll stop in your tracks, like, whoa, whoa. Oh, watch it. Hope he's not close to me. The Bible says Satan goes around like a roaring lion. He wants to distract you. I mean, know that when he roars, you stop everything. I mean, know that he roars to get your attention because He's trying to lure you. Y'all need to stay with me on this. The Bible says, watch this, that he is seeking whom he may devour. You catch that? Now, Peter is writing this to Christians. He said, you Christian, you man or woman of God, you be sober, you be vigilant, you watch out because you got an adversary. You got somebody out there that's against you, all right? And he is seeking somebody to whom he can devour. Now, how does he do that? He looks for a weak link. He looks for somebody who is easily distracted. He'll send you Miss Pretty, who is nicely petite. He'll say to you, young man, hey, you know what? Things are terrible at home after all. We're not getting along. Go ahead and try. God doesn't mind you having a good time. Oh, yeah, Satan will send her your way. Or he will send you, ladies, Mr. Atlas, Mr. Casanova, with all the smooth words, 
talking a good game. You want to know what Satan looks like? He works through people. And see, and you thought all the while that he or she was interested in you because you were cute. Nah. You are in spiritual warfare. Satan sent it. See, if you have an addiction, how many know Satan will bring, if you're addicted to drugs, Satan will bring the drug dealer right to your door. Satan will bring the drug dealer to your church. Oh, Satan knows where your weaknesses are. He knows where your buttons are. He wants to distract you. You must understand that it is for your life. How many know we're in a fight? You're in a fight. What do you want to do? How many people have we heard? I've heard of stories of young ladies who were intellectually smart, bright, had much going for them, and then they meet some dude, like I like to call him, dude, that comes along and whisper empty words. And before you know it, she's pregnant. And now she's sitting back for many years trying to make right or wrong. Men who got great family, great kids life, Satan comes along and he makes a bargain with you. Come on, have a good time. Come on, come on, come on, man. Come on. She ain't treating you right. She don't understand how you feel. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a distraction. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Amen. It's a distraction. He's a master deceiver. He's a puppet master. He's good at what he does. He's the father of deception. Matthew chapter 14. I love this story. If you want to turn back there in your Bibles. Because now I think you have a little bit of context on what you're dealing with. When we talk about distractions, the next time the devil comes to you, if you listen to this message really closely, you will know it's the devil. And God will open your eyes and you will realize what is taking place today. Oh, God, help us. Help us. Peter, <laughs> you know, there's so many people that like to pick on Peter because Peter was one who had a quick mouth. Peter just spoke real quick and he didn't think about what he was saying until after the fact. Oh, boy, Peter could cuss too. <laughs> but, you know, Peter was, ended up being the leader of the apostles. God changed him. God rearranged him. God molded him. And, but one of the things I loved about Peter was that Peter was a risk taker. Peter, when everybody else would sit back and talk about taking a jump, Peter was the guy who said, I'll do it, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so it is that it's about the fourth watch of the night. Jesus had sent the disciples uh, out to sea. He said, look, I want you to go out to sea. Uh, I'm going to meet you over on the other side. Jesus had wanted to go and spend some time with the Father alone. Now, hear that. 
Look at that verse the pastor just read. Jesus sent away the disciples. In other words, he made a plan. I want to spend some alone time with my father. So I guess what? I'm sending y'all away. Y'all go. I'll meet y'all on the other side. And so it's about the fourth hour watch of the night, which is somewhere between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Jesus comes walking on the water. Could, I mean, you think about that. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water. He's just walking. And so the disciples see him, and they start to panic. Oh, my God, what's a ghost? What is going oh, no. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. It is I. Remember that guy Peter I just told you about? Peter says, he says, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, bid me come. Now, I, 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 oh, boy, Peter had a lot of faith. Because, you know, first of all, brother, I can't swim. <laughs> brother, you know, I can't. And I'm telling you right now, more than likely, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't look at Peter and say, you are out of your mind, bro. And there was a storm. The sea was raging, right? It was a storm. The boat, the Bible said, the boat was being tossed. So this wasn't like it was even calm waters. Peter said, Lord, Peter, I want, I want to walk on water. So Peter comes. He, Jesus says, Peter, come. Peter goes. I, I, I mean, no. The one of the things that we got to make a commitment to do for the Lord is that we got to take a step of faith. Amen? Amen. Some of you been setting a boat for a long time and you won't get out. You've been stuck. And God has sent me here this morning to tell you, you need to step out on faith and believe me. Amen. Believe. Peter steps out. And, and watch, Peter doesn't hesitate. You see, how many know that whenever we hesitate to obey the Lord, we are already distracted? You see, I like to say this the mark of a mature Christian. Everybody say mature. mature. <laughs> okay, I got it. I see. I got it. Y'all listening this morning, got that. Um, you know, as, as a mature, <laughs> mature Christian, your maturity level is really um, predicated upon your commitment to obey what God says, plain and simple. Uh, when God speaks in his word, we don't argue with his word. We say, if this is what God wants, if it kills me, I'll do it. There's no other way to live the Christian life. That's why the Bible says in Romans, I beseech you, brethren, this is Romans chapter 12, Verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what Christianity is. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is, by the way, it's not even, you don't even get bonus points for it because the Bible says that's reasonable service <laughs> to live your life sacrificially for the Lord. Peter, the Lord says to Peter, come. And you know what Peter said? I'm coming. Now watch, say it with me. So when the Lord says to Peter, come, Peter doesn't hesitate. He doesn't sit there and say, well, Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute, Lord. I I'm not sure if I heard you right. Well, wait a minute, Lord. You know I'm still working on my faith here, Lord. You know I, I, I got some problems, Lord. I'm trying to work through all of these. No, 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 Peter didn't do any of that. The Lord said, Peter, come. Peter said, I'm coming. Now watch. When Peter came, guess what Peter did? He walked on water. 
Peter walked on water. But you know, I may know that God want to work miracles in your life. Y'all don't really want to. Listen, when you come to a place with God that you say, Lord, I want to be used in a supernatural way, God will supernaturally manifest himself through a people or a person that is committed to obedience. Obedience is the great facilitator of the anointing or as we would say the blessing or the favor of God when we obey God watch this people when we obey we walk on water when we don't obey God we sink you get it we sink oh well you don't understand pastor I, I've been disobeying God I haven't followed the Bible in this particular area of my life and I'm blessed no you're not how many know uh, honestly, how many of you know that when Adam ate the fruit and Eve, they ate it, they didn't die right away. But the Bible said they would what? Surely die. How many know they begin the process of death? Y'all still with me? Amen. So even if we disobey God, how many know the Bible, the Bible says in Galatians, it says, I believe in Galatians chapter 6, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he what? Reap. God is not mocked, meaning that whatever we sow, we're going to reap. So if you sow disobedience, you're going to reap the fruit of whatever that disobedience was. And it does not matter if somebody didn't have the camera on you. <laughs> oh. See, it matters, obedience. Peter was obedient, and God did miracles in his life. Let me tell you something. We commit to being obedient to the word of God, whatever God says. If God says forgive, we ain't arguing with God. I'm going to forgive. If God says love, I'm going to love. If God says tithe, I'm going to tithe. Whatever God says, I'm doing it. Why? Because I want to walk on water. Now, if you want to sink, if you want to just be average, if you don't want to make a difference, stay where you are. But get out of my way. I'm walking on some water because I want to make a difference. I want to go further. I'm, not, I'm invested in this kingdom. This is not a game for me, people. This is my life. This book is real. It is powerful. Peter didn't hesitate. Now watch this. Now as long as Peter kept his focus on Jesus, watch. As long as Peter kept his focus on Jesus, Peter was walking on the water. You know, kind of a picture. It's Kind of looks familiar, you know? You know, seeing Christians sometimes doing well, seem to be making progress. Things seem to be going good. And, and all of a sudden, a distraction comes. The voice from the past. That old Facebook friend. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't praying with me this morning. You see, the, see what that voice from the past, it comes, right? It comes, and all of a sudden, you were doing well. You were coming to church. You were praying. You were reading your Bible. God was making a difference in your life. And all of a sudden, somebody said, I can't whistle. Can somebody whistle for me? Give me a loud whistle. <laughs> Not a central one, you know, just <laughs> like a baseball whistle, right? So all of a sudden, Peter is doing well, and coincide with our life, we could be doing well, and all of a sudden, Satan calls to us. 
And the Bible says that Peter, who was walking on water, was walking on water, all of a sudden, he saw them big waves. He saw the wind. He looked away. 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 And at the moment that he looked away, he sinked. That's when he sinked. No other time did he sink until he looked away. How many know that Satan wants you to look away? Come down. Next week we'll talk about Nehemiah. Come down from doing what you're doing. You look away. Look, it's boring doing that Christian thing. Come on, man. You know, come on. I got something better for you over here. Don't believe the hype. It's not better. He began to sink. Now, why did Peter sink? As I studied this, Peter, like a lot of us, we lose our faith sometimes. Oh, gosh, we lose our faith, don't we? You wait on God for something and God don't show up when you think he's supposed to show up, you get mad. You protest in the spirit. How do you protest in the spirit? You look away some. You go back and pick up some of those old attitudes, some of those old friends. You get sucked back in because you get frustrated. I, I remember a time in my life when God called me into ministry in 97. This is when God called me into ministry. And, and that was a level of frustration for me because things weren't happening fast enough. How many know what I'm talking about? How many ever been praying and asked God to do something and no, he ain't doing it fast enough? Amen. You've been waiting, right? You've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. And now it comes a point in time you just... And I, and I had that period of time in my life, and I just got so frustrated. And, and I am so glad that God was patient with my behind. <laughs> that God was, I mean, God knows where we are, and he knows what we can handle. He understands us, right? And, and, and so I went through this period, and I lost my face some. I didn't go back into the world, but I, I took on some of those worldly attitudes. I became a little bit indifferent because there was a level of dissatisfaction that was boiling in my soul because in actuality, I was kind of like Martha. Lord, do you not care? I want to serve you, God. I've been wanting to do this. And look at this, brother. He's blessed. He ain't doing half of what I'm doing. Oh, God knows where you are. I went through. And so, so the people of God, here's what we do. We lose our faith. Oh, I'm going to try giving. I'm going to try. I'm going to make a commitment to give. And soon things get hard and things don't turn around right away. We, we, we look away. So I, I ain't going to do it no more. How many know the faith? I, I, I want you to write this down. Let me, let me, let me share this. Um, faith, doesn't, faith doesn't absolve us of the challenges. Instead, faith comes to propel us through the challenge. Faith doesn't absolve us of the challenges. You see, a lot of times people think that faith is all about, faith is some temporary fix. Faith is a way of life. We, see, we, may, we are committed to Christ no matter what happens. Our faith, we are committed to the word no matter what happens. That's when the blessing comes. And how many know, oh, God, the God is a, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me do this. 
Now, you remember, gosh, how do I want to do this? You remember when Peter, when Peter cried out and asked the Lord to help him? <laughs> right before that, in verse number 32, think of verse 32 of Matthew chapter 14. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Ain't that something? Do you think they just happened by accident? All of a sudden, there was a storm, right? There was a storm. And when Peter started to sink, he called on the Lord. He said, Lord, help me. And the Lord helped him. And the Bible said that the wind stopped. It just stopped. You know what the Lord was saying to Peter? Peter, I'm the God of the wind, the sea, the heavens, and all the earth. Jesus was saying, sending Peter a message, I'm in control of everything. In fact, Peter, this was your test. Do you not know that God tests you? He tests you not to fail you, but to prove you. A good teacher doesn't test you because they want to see you fail. A good teacher tests you to prove the information that you have. God is in the testing business. You remember in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, he says, Yeah, I heard you crying and asking me for food, but I let you go hungry so that you might learn that man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God was testing them. How many know that was Peter's test? He says to Peter, he said, Peter, Peter, Peter. And, and, and the evidence there was a test because it went, everything stopped. <laughs> Y'all are not getting this. Everything stopped. The wind, it all came still. It just stopped. It didn't just stop. Jesus was teaching his disciples what it means to have faith and keep focus on him. And that as long, no matter what is happening around you, there may be storms around you, there may, there may be breakages, there may be all kinds of problems around you, but, but, but you are to keep your eyes on Jesus and keep doing everything that he tells you to do, no matter what is happening around you. But see, what happens is people get a little bit of pressure, things become a little bit of difficult, and they jump out of the, I'll get up out of this front, I got to get out of here. And they go back. In other words, they got distracted instead of saying, wait a minute, this is a test. I'm going to walk with God. The Bible says, how many know Abraham was tested? He waited for years for the promised child. And when he had the child, God said, now go take the child up on the altar and offer him as a sacrifice. How many know that's a test? That's beyond a test. I mean, I really would have been put away in a mental hospital if I told you that. You'd be like, something wrong with Pastor Gary talking about sacrificing his son. God is at work. Now we're closing. Now watch. Peter said this. He says, in verse 30, but when he saw the winds was boisterous. See, he saw that. See, how many know the devil is going to throw a lot of distractions at you? He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And you know what the Lord did being the Lord that he is. The Lord didn't say, Peter, you had your chance, boy. You had your chance, Peter, but it's too late. You flunked the test. No, 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 no. As soon as Peter said, Lord, save me, Lord, snatched him right up. How many of you know that no matter where you are, 
No matter if you're in a crack house, in the dog house, in the prostitute house, in the porn room, and in the drug, wherever you are, if you call on the name of the Lord, he'll snatch you up right where you are. You remember the rich young ruler, not the rich young ruler, but you remember the, the prodigal son? He was in a pig pen. He came to his senses, and God had mercy on him. He said, Lord, save me. And the Lord said, I'll save you. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? <laughs> you see, Peter got in trouble because he took his eyes off Jesus. But watch this. He got rescued because he put his eyes back on Jesus. And some people don't have, some people, Christians, we have a problem with that, don't we? Because God is merciful. But if you know like I know, I... God has been merciful to me. I know what I am. Some of you too holy, too righteous. But I know where I come up from. I know where God brought me from. That's why I am very merciful when it comes to dealing with people. Because you know why? He's been merciful to me. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. Now, you're sitting here this morning. I want to talk to you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. <laughs> Maybe you're sitting here this morning, and the fact of the matter is, if you're totally honest, you're totally honest with yourself, your eyes haven't been on Jesus at all. In fact, you don't even know him as Lord and Savior, that today, if you died, you cannot say affirmatively that you would spend eternity with him. You don't know. Perhaps you're in that place where you've taken your eyes off Jesus, and you've been living your life, and your life has been in shambles. It's been a wreck. To you, God is saying, I'm here to pull you up today. If you're sitting here today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how many know that there's no accidents in the kingdom, that God had a message for us today? If you say, Pastor, Pastor Bailey, I, I, I don't know Jesus as Savior, and, and I'm in trouble. I feel like I'm sinking. I feel like I've missed it. I, I feel like I need help. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up. I, I just want to pray with you. Jesus has come. This is between you and God. Is there anyone, any, it doesn't matter who you are in the room. If God is spoken to you and you know that you're in trouble, you're sinking, God wants to pull you up today. He wants to pull you up. That's the love of God. He'll meet you right where you're at. You say, Pastor, I'm sinking. I need help. Can you please pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus today. Is there one that will say that? Hallelujah. I see that hand, young man. Hallelujah. Is there another one who will say that? I'm sinking. I'm sinking. I need help. Is there another Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I want to ask a young man who raised his hand, just come on up, brother. Come on, give him a hand as he comes, our visitor. Amen. amen. Jeff, come on up here. I want you to see, I mean, know that the Holy Spirit knows everything. You're coming here today 
was more than an invitation. This was life coming to you. He did what he did because the spirit of God was after you. And, and guess what? He will, he's been after you way before you got here. Absolutely. And you know it. That's right. And today is your day. This is a moment of transformation. Jesus says that he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, I will give you eternal life. I will give you joy. I will give you peace. Much of the world is suffering today. They're sinking because they don't know Jesus. And he's coming to help you today. And so we're just delighted that you come and want to give your life to him. And uh, giving your life to him, you'll make no, this is probably the most, this is the most important decision that you will ever make. It's more important you joining Marines. It's more important you getting married. It's more important you being birthed in this earth. Nothing else is more important than this moment this moment, this is a defining moment in your life, young man, a defining moment. And by coming up here today, is it your desire to make Christ your Lord today? Absolutely. That you want to follow him today? Yes, that you want to surrender your life to him today? Yes, Amen. Come on, give him, give him a hand. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer, and I want, I want you to repeat, repeat after me, okay? And I want you to pray this from the heart. I want you to pray it from the heart. And I want you to know that when you pray this prayer, God is true to his word. He is true. Now, what's your name? Mason. Mason. Mason, say this. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. For your son. For your son. Who died for me. Who died for me. Thank you. Thank you. For your patience. For your patience. For your love. For your love. I've been sinking. I've been sinking. And I need your help. And I need your help. Rescue me, Lord. Rescue me, Lord. Bring me into your kingdom. Bring me into your kingdom. Save me. Save me. Make me your own. Make me your own. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory. I'm leaving this old life. I'm leaving this old life. And I'm turning to you. And I'm turning to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new person. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give God praise. We got a lot of folks out of town today, but that's okay. But, but this is why we do what we do. Church, isn't this why we do what we do? We want you to know we've been waiting just for you. God prepared a table for you today, a table of everlasting life. And so um, you're going to have a great life. You're going to have to walk with them. You're going to have to be rearranged. But that's what this is all about. So what I want to do is I want to hook you up, my brother here, and uh, uh, Brother Corbin, can I get you to come on up? And uh, I want you two to take my brother and minister to him some more and share with him uh, what this whole new life means. Um, do you have any, anything you want to say right now at all? I just feel like I just want to give you a chance to do that. I usually don't, but is, is there anything? You don't have to. I'm just saying, is there anything that the Lord put on your heart that you want to say? No, I, we're all family here. That's, that's what I said. We're all family here. Uh, just, uh, as I was telling the past, I actually just moved here last uh, Saturday. I just got stationed here. Now, the message I'm taking away today, like you said, uh, as Peter stepped out and he lost focus, he was distracted, he started to sink. I actually grew up Catholic, but that doesn't mean anything because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all children of the good Lord, and that's the way I was raised. Now, when he lost his faith and he began to sink, 
just as I did because I came here today because I knew the Lord was calling on to me because I'm currently going through a divorce. Wow, wow. Had the bottle to my lips. I was, I was going down a rough path. And uh, so all of a sudden one day I, I, actually, I actually took a knee. I woke up one morning and I took a knee. And, and Brother Jeff, he can vouch for me because he, he has a similar story. And when he shared it with me, it, it made a lot of sense that this is where I need to be. This is where the Lord wants me to be today. So Amen. I thank each and every one of you to help me see the light. Amen. And, and that's, that's truly what I came here today to do, and, and that's what I've seen. Come on, give God a praise for that. You know, the Bible says that there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There's a lot of joy in heaven, and you know what? There's a lot of joy here. Welcome into the kingdom. Welcome to a whole new way of living. Your life will never be the same after the day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, follow these young men. They'll lead you. Come on, give them a praise this way.